The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello everybody and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. I'm Dylan. And we're here to talk to you about games, storytelling, how those things go together, how they sometimes go apart. And this week, we realized as we were prepping for this episode that I've kind of been more in the driver's seat than usual the last couple episodes. So this time we're going to have a, uh, a Dylan-led special. Um, <laughs> mostly not because what, That's not what we realized. We realized that like right before we hit record. Shut up. Yeah, before we started recording. Um, but we're going to be talking about something fun that games do every now and then where and you see this a lot in games where you can sort of pick a faction or you pick a starting point games with different but intersecting narratives yeah uh, um, the word i used when i pitched it i think was concurrent uh, yeah. storytelling where you have multiple campaigns and they all kind of take place roughly around the same period of time but they're yeah. from different perspectives and yeah. to the point where like maybe the same mission will take place in each campaign just with you from a different point of view but the mission is you know observing the same moment in time but dylan proposed several games for this and i spent the last couple days trying to think of other games but really all the ones dylan brought up were like kind of the ones that i would have thought of on my own anyway i still feel like there's there's gotta be a there's definitely more we'll, we'll see what happens as we're talking because i'm I do my best thinking in the moment when I'm not thinking at all, so <laughs> we'll see what Fair. happens. But because it's us, and because we are who we are, and we talk about what we talk about, we gotta start with our boy, that Sonic spiky blue son. Hedgehog. Sonic, middle name, the Hedgehog. Actually, sorry, I'm sorry, let's see. I need to double check what his Archie Cannon name is, because his first name is Maurice, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Am I committing to this bit? No, I think I've done all I need to. Yeah. I've you know, said all I need to say. <laughs> we've got Miles Tails Prower, and that's really as as deep into the fandom as we need to prove ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway. This is something that the Sonic games have kind of been doing since Sonic 3. Yeah, so I, I kind of wanted to touch on that, because yeah. like, Sonic 3 is kind of a weird case. Yeah, Sonic 3 is like borderline yeah because current um, storytelling because sonic and tails are roughly on the same time but they they feel more like alternate scenarios of each other yeah uh rather than taking place at the same time like they're both stories and then knuckles is uh knuckles mode is actually a sequel it takes place after the the game when you play a sonic and tails um so yeah the first time we really get like these concurrent stories are with Sonic Adventure for the Dreamcast, mm -hmm. where they, they wanted to kind of throw a bunch of stuff at at a dartboard on the wall and see what <laughs> sticks. That's uh, <laughs> That seems like a pretty accurate description. Like, if we're looking backwards, I have, like, I was barely conscious when this game was being developed. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, reverse engineering it, I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> Which, to so, be fair, was a pretty mm -hmm. common... That's a fairly common, like, feeling for a lot of early 3D games. Yeah, because, like, how, how do we tackle this medium? I don't know. Let's just yeah, introduce a lot of different modes and see what sticks. Yeah, very few of, a like, the first 3D example of a given franchise feel actually like they hold up by modern design standpoints. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a couple I can think of. Uh, man, even FF7... There's, there's, like, the third of it that feels like a solid RPG, and then there's the 
two-thirds that are like, what if we added a snowboarding minigame? What yep. if we added a submarine <laughs> combat simulator? What if we added a uh, fucking uh, motorcycle arcade Which, game? The motorcycle arcade game kicks ass. This is oh, not you what got the, there? the episode's about. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm, I'm just happy you got to that moment. <laughs> it's so good. But anyway, yeah, back to uh, <laughs> what we're actually talking Hedgehog. about. Yeah, uh, because of that, you, you have four... Yes, four uh, Sonic characters already kind of established in the four Sonic games that have led up to Sonic Adventure. You have Tails from, or you have Sonic from the original, Tails from Sonic 2, Knuckles from Sonic 3, and Amy Rose from Sonic CD. And they're all reintroduced here. They're given new designs, and they are experimenting with new gameplay styles for those. And then in addition to that, they added two more characters, two brand new characters, uh, E10. E-102 Gamma, which is a robot made by the series villain Dr. Eggman. With a name like that, he's a robot? (laughs) Yeah, who would have guessed? Um, And then there is also Big the Cat. Um, And we won't dwell on that. Uh, Sonic fans, if you you know, you know. Um, Howard, I love my my big tubby-tabby boy. I love him in the comics. In the game, (laughs) he sucks. That's fair. Uh, So yeah, you have you have these six characters, and I think the interesting thing is that when you initially put the game in, you have sole control over Sonic. And when you're playing the game, it is a very bog standard like Sonic's here, Egg- Doctor Eggman's up to no good. Fight him and save the city. Also, Eggman has like a el- el- an elder water god type. He has thing. a jar what's, full what's of blueberry with jelly with googly eyes on it. Yeah, and it's it's gonna it's a bad thing. So you got to stop that too. His That's name is Chaos, his... not to be confused with the Chows, which are spelled exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, that always that that messed me up for a while. That bugs me. <laughs> Yeah, but I wonder if that's, like, intentional. Like, do they read, like, Chow in Japanese? That's that's another kettle of fish. Kettle of Chow. Mm. But, uh... <laughs> Chaos is Eggman's, like, latest uh, scheme that he's got going to take over the world. But, so, while that's going down, all the other characters kind of have their own stories and inciting incidents and resolutions that, like are all deeply personal in a way that Sonic's isn't, because Sonic has to be the generic save-the-day hero. So his sidekick, Tails, his story is about uh, kind of coming out from under Sonic's shadow. He He's he, he's starting to realize that he can't re- uh, rely on Sonic to be there to save the day all the time. So it's Tails trying to learn to be a bit more independent, trying to utilize his own strengths more, so... He's kind of a tech whiz, so he modifies he modifies Sonic's plane. He has a confrontation with Doctor Robotnik, so he actually saves the city, not Sonic. Not, and his his entire gameplay loop is actually about racing Sonic to the finish to try and get like the one up on him. <laughs> I didn't know that. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's Sonic, a really nice Sonic Adventure is a game that I need to revisit because I played it when I was young, and then I discovered Sonic Adventure Two, which was just more fun to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, especially with the uh, Steam ports, be prepared for a lot of uh, port jank. Oh, I'm sure. Because, like, the games are janky on their own. Like, even the Dreamcast version. I was going to say, even the Dreamcast version is rough. Good as they are, like, they're still kind of janky. But, um, you know, if you can look past the jank, I think they're solid platformers, despite what the internet says. (laughs) And so, yeah, uh, next is... Oh, sorry. Just to offer, offer a different opinion on that. I don't think they're solid platformers if you look past the jank. I think they're solid platformers if you immerse yourself in the jank. You know what? You might have something there. Like the the those games are so inherently like weird and the jank is kind like, of what makes it work. Yeah, like if if you try to ignore the jank, you're gonna have a bad time. If you like study the jank, if you embrace the and, jank, yeah, and like learn the weird quirks and weird like rough edges that are the game's kind of internal logic of gameplay, then they're fun. Yeah, you know what? That's that's fair. Um, this has been your weekly Sonic shill. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, just to, to roll through the others uh, really quickly before we move on. Um, Knuckles' whole thing, in the previous game, he has been introduced as the guardian of this mysterious floating island. And he all he knows is that it... Do, like it it was assigned to him at birth that he was going to be the guardian of this 
MacGuffin that exists on this island, and he has to look over it, and he doesn't know why, he doesn't know who, he doesn't know, like, what his role is, he really has no family, so he, it's just kind of him in this solitary island, all alone, thinking to himself, what is my purpose? And the inciting incident of Knuckles' story is that the emerald, that the master emerald, the MacGuffin that he's guarding, blows up. Uh, and that's that's where the chaos monster that Dr. Eggman has unleashed, that's where it comes from. It comes from the Master Emerald breaking. So Knuckles' gameplay loop is about, you know, getting his duty uh, back together. That sounded like a different thing. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to say it, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> I had to call myself out. Uh, <laughs> his duty is to... Because, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of what the word is, but, like, he, he's got to... He's got to mend the emerald because that is his job. And as he is going on this adventure to bring the Master Emerald back to its former state, he has multiple visions of his ancestry, uh, like the, the world that this island used to be. Um, and he, he's able to talk to the inhabitants and get a better idea on what, he, what is his legacy. And so that's, that's an interesting thing. And uh, this also ties into the greater plot of Sonic Adventure 1 because a lot of this particular game story is focused around Knuckles' ancestry and how it ends. Uh, and then to cap it off, I won't talk about the, the new characters, uh, but to, to cap it off, Amy's gameplay is like, you know, she was a damsel in distress. Her gameplay loop is about being able to get herself out of the jam. With a big fuck-off hammer. Yeah, it's very similar to Tails' story, but... You know, it's different in context. Yeah. And then, so that so Sonic Adventure 1 establishes this new idea of, like, witnessing multiples character, multiple characters' stories over the course of the plot. And then Sonic Adventure 2 is like, what if we did that twice? <laughs> <laughs> because in Sonic Adventure 2, when it begins, you pick either... It's not good or, good or evil, it's hero and dark. And dark. Are those the two mo- modes? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hero, it's... Yeah, hero story and dark story. Yeah, so hero, it's split gameplay-wise between Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles. Dark, it's split between Shadow, Eggman, and Rouge the Bat. And they're, the gameplay is parallel. So Sonic and Shadow are both like the classic Sonic, you know, run fast, jump, they run do fast. loop-de-loops. Tails and Eggman both have mech suits, so they're... It's not quite fair to call it a rail shooter, but like that's the closest. That's that's kind, kind of, of what they're going for. Gameplay example I can give, and then Rouge and Knuckles both have like scavenger hunt levels where you have to search these big, wide open areas for the missing Chaos Emeralds. And they're way better than people say they are. Fuck you, fight me. <laughs> <laughs> people hate those levels. I think they're amazing. Um, <laughs> like, granted, they're amazing. If you've been playing the game since it came out, but yeah, that's yeah. neither here nor there. But so whereas Sonic Adventure 1, it was like, all right, you play the game and you cycle between these, you know, six different characters that are all have like their own personal stories taking place within the larger context of like Robotnik's latest scheme. Sonic Adventure 2, you've got three different characters that you're watching deal with like their personal part of a big problem. But then there's also three other characters that are doing the same thing, just, like, from the opposite perspective. And I think the most interesting thing about Sonic Adventure 2, at least from a story perspective, is that there are two story modes. There are, like, four factions in Sonic. So, uh, Sonic and Tails are doing this to stop Eggman. Uh, Knuckles is doing this because the Emerald has fallen apart again, but, like, he did that on his own volition because he didn't want it to get stolen and he knows now that he can put it back together. Rouge is a government agent who's actually joining T- uh, Eggman to spy on him. Eggman is trying to take over the world and Shadow is tricking Eggman uh, into activating a cannon that will destroy the Earth because the US government took away those he loves most. That is not an exaggeration. Yeah, that no, is the Shadow story. the Hedgehog is a narrative mess. <laughs> no, Shadow's Stretched over great. multiple games. <laughs> Yes, uh, uh, stretched over multiple games, he sucks. But, like, no, <laughs> shut up. I love Shadow. <laughs> like, does he belong in a Sonic game? That's debatable. But, like, you know, if, if Shadow was, like, a dumb anime character... You're not even good enough to be my to be fake. My fa- I'll make you eat us. No one who hasn't played Sonic Adventure 2 is gonna get them. 
I'm the ultimate life form. <sighs> Maria. Here's the deal. Mm-hmm. The Sonic games, this is a slight tangent. We'll get like we'll get back onto our topic. The Sonic games have some dopey fucking voice acting. I absolutely love the absolute the earnestness with which Shadow's voice actor like went for it. <laughs> That's you know what? That's fair. Cuz think... it's it's over the top and he's like he's an absolute like he's the worst anime edge lord you could he's, ever imagine. He is incredibly broody. I like Shadow has like good details in his character and backstory but his execution is like Chris said a mess but I love the like the voice delivery that he has and it's so fun to listen to <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna say this real quick my favorite voice actor for Shadow is actually the second generation uh, so there there are different voice companies that have dubbed the sonic characters over the years yeah um during the quote-unquote four kids era so when like the sonic x tv show was airing on tv uh they got new york voice talent to do it and uh the person who voices shadow in that era of dubbing also voices sonic and so it's really it's really entertaining to hear and differentiate between the two that's also fun because shadow is genetically based on sonic yeah. So yeah. that's a fun, fun little bit of meta casting decision. I like that. But anyway, so like Sonic Adventure 2 compounds this because you can you end up seeing if you play the game through both campaigns, you see the same story, like the same sort of initial problem and grand thing through the point of view of six different characters all with kind of their own thing that they're trying to do. Yeah. And it comes together in some interesting ways. Like, those points of intersection are interesting and something that, like... The, the the closest example I can think of is kind of the way that some novels, particularly, like, big fantasy novels, mm. will jump from character to character and have different perspectives from chapter to chapter. But it's still, like, it's a slightly different experience when you're playing through that, and especially when it's an optional thing. Like, when whether you're playing hero or dark kind of impacts who wins in some of those yeah. moments where the characters come face to face in an interesting way there, there's still like a canon outcome i believe but like the 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 different stories cut away so that it gives you the impression that whichever side you're winning is the is winning yeah last thing i'm gonna say about sonic before we move on uh one of the biggest mind-blowing moments for me when i was like eight maybe maybe i was nine was playing sonic adventure 2 and, you know, I'm playing a lot of Hero Story, and it's like, haha, escape from the city, and it's it's fun, I'm having a blast. Uh, and then I, I play Dark Story, and Dark Story, I think the difficulty is harder than uh, Hero Story. So, you know, that one takes me a little longer to chip away at, but once you beat, like, the fourth level or, or something, they, they play the same cutscene that happens after the first level, Sonic Adventure 2, or the Hero Story, rather, and there's just kind of this moment where I'm like... Oh wow! Dark story takes place way before Heroes, and it's just kind of cool to see how it intersects because you're like, I didn't realize this. Yeah, and that's it's fun because like because they're telling the story from these characters' perspectives, and it's wrapped up in what these different characters want and what they're trying to do. It makes sense that there would be some time dilation there, and you the the discovery that like the inciting incident for Hero Story is the result of the actions you've been doing in Dark Story is a really cool little like oh moment. God, those games are cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I don't care what anyone says. I love those games. Uh I love their goofy stories that try too hard, but I'd rather they try too hard than not at all. Absolutely. We have now talked about Sonic the Hedgehog for I was about 20 to minutes. say how long have we talked about <laughs> We got to stop we're doing us. this, Chris. I know. <laughs> By this I assume you mean the podcast. <laughs> Oh, welcome to the Sonic the Hedgehog Theater podcast, a uh, pl- actual play podcast. Where we oh, God. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> so, Dylan, you mentioned that the reason you, you thought of this topic was because you'd been playing another game recently that I, I was actually going to save that game for okay, last. Okay, never mind. Well, I'll... I'm, nope, Chris, cut out in. this bad keep transition. Nope, keep it in. <laughs> um, Fire emblem. <laughs> Oh, fuck, now I have to keep it in, because otherwise that's going to make no sense. Me just yelling over Yep. Okay. Anyway, Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem. Hmm. Uh, this is another game that, like, we've been talking about Fire Emblem recently, because 
it's been it on our minds. We've been, we, we've both been <laughs> playing the newest edition, but and I'm again, you're gonna have to take the lead on this one, Dylan, because you have played much more of the older Fire Emblems than I have. But I've been yeah, playing but you've through played more Three Houses than I have. Well, yes, so this is this is your chance to lead, my guy. Well, I I thought you were actually I was more interested because. Three Houses does it, but I don't feel equipped to talk as much about it because I haven't experienced any of the alternate storytelling things. But, and correct me if I'm wrong, because like I said, you've played more of the older games. There's a similar element of this in the Game Boy Advanced era Fire Emblems, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, the uh, Fire Emblem, the Sacred Stones specifically, allows you... So the main characters of Fire Emblem, the, uh, the Sacred Stones, are Erica and Ephraim. I, th- I think that's how you pronounce his name. I think I'll you're right. Really silly. If it's I'm always wrong. in text. <laughs> it, they couldn't exactly. put voice acting on the Game Boy Advance. I haven't played Fire Emblem Heroes, so I don't know any other pronunciation. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that being said, um, there there are two lords. Uh, you start with Erica, and to be fair, my brother has played more of the Sacred Stones than I have. But uh, there is a point where uh, they are together and they split back apart, and you decide which lord you want to go through and you can see their story and on a repeat playthrough you can go from the other perspective i know you just said that you haven't played as much of this as your brother has but how different are those stories are Um, you aware story-wise i'm not sure i do know that ephraim's is more difficult okay um i know that like ephraim's character is that he is he's a bit more of a go-getter uh you know like the lord of the rings it's time to hunt some orc oh yeah uh, yeah <laughs> th- that is my understanding of ephraim's character erica is you know she's she's not a warrior by nature so i think she she takes the easier route but that's that is the extent of my knowledge i i have not played a lot of this game most of what i know about it is from word of my brother's mouth that's fair <laughs> um but the fire emblem games because there's a little bit of this also in I don't remember what its actual um, subtitle is because it was just Fire released Emblem in America dates. as Fire Emblem. Oh, wait, what? I mean, that doesn't... Actually, yeah, I guess that that does count. I just yeah. never thought about that. Because, uh, uh, I yeah, can't... Yeah, Fire Emblem uh, Blazing Blade. Blazing Blade, uh, thank you. Rekka no Ken. Which, in America, was just released as Fire Emblem because it was yeah. the first Fire Emblem game to make it stateside. But it was another Game Boy Advance game, and it's... Similarly, you sort of pick which of three available main characters that's not quite true okay so you only ever picked hector didn't you no i've I've been playing it recently with uh lynn oh okay yeah so so, which that's that's kind of the big difference there is you can if you pick there's there's hector and ellie wood are two of the yeah so uh to to elucidate things real quick um (laughs) when you have a blank cartridge and not a fully completed uh cartridge uh, you actually play the first 10 chapters as Lynn because she's kind of the tutorial. And then the game takes you straight from Lynn's story to Elliewood's story. And then you play that to the end. And once you beat the game, you have the option of starting up like back from Lynn's story, at which point you will play those 10 chapters again and go and pick if you want to do Elliewood's or Hector's. Or you have the option of starting with Elliewood or Hector. Um, and... Leewood and Hector are the other main characters. I, I realize I've just been kind of talking like you all know these characters. Hector's mode is an alternate telling of Elliewood's story from Hector's perspective. And so the main character of Fire Emblem, for all intents and purposes, is Elliewood. Uh, he is on a mission to find his father, and this leads him to stumble into a kind of illuminati behind the scenes we're trying to puppet master the different governments into a war um and so he's got to prevent that when you when you beat the game you have the option of playing through the game that portion of the game again as elliewood's best friend hector who is the younger brother of a lord and elliewood's best friend so he actually kind of he leaves because he's not very popular with the nobles and he doesn't want to uh bring unwanted scrutiny towards his brother so he leaves for that reason and he also leaves to help elliewood find his father and so a lot of there are extra cutscenes that are added there are also extra levels that are just hector uh from his perspective and there are there are new story beats that have to do with hector's relationship with his brother that were not present in the main game i'm glad i have you here because i would have gotten that wrong because i'm still <laughs> playing it and all of the 
Game Boy Advance games I have are hand-me-downs. No, no, I got you. I, uh, I actually, I didn't think to mention, uh, the, uh, Fire Emblem GBA, just because I, I don't know why, but that, that was a good, that was a good pull. I, yeah. I didn't think about that one. No, you're good. And then, now with Three Houses that's recently come out. Oh, shit, I just forgot something. What's the, up? Fire Emblem does this a lot more yeah, often honestly. than I thought. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Uh, so. Well, I mean, it makes sense for Fire Emblem because Fire Emblem is a game about the series sort of thesis statement has always been like looking at war and at conflict, but from a very like personal point of view. And I don't so know that's if the I quite say that, but <laughs> sorry, you're being contrarian today, Gregory. Uh, I don't mean to. I just... No, you're good. <laughs> I yeah yeah. I'm sorry. I'm being that guy. <laughs> all I guess I should say all of the Fire Emblem games I have played, mm. which are a fair portion of. Fire Emblem, Blazing Blade, mm-hmm. and a t- like I've played Fire Emblem Path of Radiance for the GameCube like six times. Yeah, uh, yeah. Most of Radiant Dawn, I haven't beaten it yet, and now a fair amount of Three Houses. Like okay, the- so, so you have played through most of Radiant Dawn. Yes. Because that's the game I was going to mention next. Okay, cool. But like they're, the common thread among these is they're, they're fantasy games about war, but for the most part told from the point of view of like someone who is involved but a like core band of people yeah. involved in the fighting so as much as it is about like the grand stakes of the war it's concerned with those mostly insofar as they concern individuals and individuals relationships yeah i i think that becomes more prevalent with the introduction of support like these optional uh conversations between characters which which we've Um, talked about before but in case this is your first episode characters that fight near each other in fire emblem especially er, in the in the more recent games develop like a support relationship and you can have them have a brief conversation in which you learn about the characters and that then gives them mechanical bonuses on the battlefield yeah i guess like where i'm coming from is like i've been playing a lot of the super nintendo games that don't have that optional dialogue okay okay. and so it is it is a much more like kind of big picture like this is a grand tale of heroism and like i haven't read the iliad but i'm hoping the iliad is a good comparison point (laughs) uh where it's it's not like super personal like there are these big names who made great contributions uh during battle but uh um, actually the Iliad is an incredibly personal story <laughs> okay i mean like you could be right i, I don't know i haven't read no, it i mean here's the thing i'm, I'm a classics minor <laughs> the Iliad is about one dude being real sulky about having his loot taken away and then his lover dies and then he okay, is okay. very angry <laughs> so i yeah I, I don't have like a i could be contrarian too dylan <laughs> no i mean like i i want to be called out on this and i have no clue how much of this we're editing out <laughs> oh no i'm leaving this, this is great podcasting <laughs> oh okay amazing podcasting uh, <laughs> so fine yeah. whatever like classical story yeah, anyway, where it's like i i get yeah, what you're yeah. coming from yeah no i i was just turning the tides on you <laughs> Maybe maybe it's Arthurian. I don't know. I don't I don't know my myths and <laughs> uh, all that good stuff. So, Radiant Dawn. Radiant Dawn does an interesting thing where it is a direct sequel to the GameCube game Path of Radiance, where you are playing as Ike and you are leading an uh, you are leading an army to try and liberate the nation of Crimea from the Imperial Dayans, um, and you get the Holy Kingdom of Begnion to back you up. And so, you know, you save the day, you liberate your country. Begnion, Everyone cheers. It, yeah. Uh, the evil Dayan emperor has fallen, and now Begnion is occupying Dayan. Cut to Radiant Dawn, the sequel, which oh, takes so place good. two or three years later, I think, maybe. Yeah, I, um, I, I know we've talked about this before on the show, and it was far less time than any of us thought based on the character art change. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> like, it, it's a couple years, but, like, I was anticipating it being much more just based on how some of the returning characters sprites yeah, like, yeah. are updated no they they're vegetables they had growth spurts <laughs> but yeah no so uh radiant dawn takes place a year i guess after uh path of radiance the the perspective changes you are now uh playing as a group of day and rebels trying to th- uh throw off the oppressive begnion occupants 
Uh, and this is a story that you follow for, I want to say, 10 or 15 chapters. Before Something you, like that, yeah. Uh, and you're you're basically switching different perspectives to different people. I think that the time still flows linearly, so when it uh, switches perspective to the next story, that's just the next chapter. It's, it's chronologically after the section you've been playing. But things come to a head in, like, the third or fourth chapter, where... You're playing as the the members of the old cast, uh, the the Crimean army, and they have to fight the Dayan rebels. So the game does this cool thing where you will play the chapter as one of the groups, and then you will play the next chapter, which is that same battle from the other perspective. That's so cool. Yeah. I, Unless I'm completely making this up, like if I'm completely misremembering, because it's been about a decade. I don't think you are. It's been a minute since I've played Radiant Dawn. It has Dawn. been a decade since yeah. I've played Radiant <laughs> Dawn, so I could be completely off yeah. base. But that serves as a nice springboard to Three Houses, the newest Fire Emblem game, which not going to talk about in as much detail, because for one thing, I still have not beaten my first playthrough. For another thing, it is like a month old, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone. You forgot um, to mention Fire Emblem Fates. I haven't played Fire Emblem Fates. I know. I, I, I haven't <laughs> well, played it either. I'm just going to say real quick, there's a Fire Emblem game. It's got like the po- it's got the Pokemon like red version, blue version. The, whichever version you choose is the army you fight for. Oh, really? I didn't on. know that was how that worked. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. If you download the game uh, digitally, you can pick one and then you're like hard locked out of the other campaign and you have to download it as DLC and it's really scummy. I did it, 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 moving on. <laughs> yeah, that that's... Less cool than when you first said the words out loud. Um, (laughs) But so in Three Houses, as suggested by the name, very early on you pick one of three houses at this, you know, medieval warrior Hogwarts to be in charge of. And that determines the group of characters that you have in your party to begin with. And it determines several important things about the story. Not going to go into super detail, but the first half of that game is very interesting because it features a lot of that, this concurrent storytelling we're talking about, where the missions that you're facing are all the same, but the exact details of how they play out vary slightly depending on which house you're leading. And then a big twist happens, and then from there, the plot lines branch off really substantially. I can only speak to one of them because I'm still playing my first playthrough, but like, currently one of the leaders of one of the other houses is presumed dead in my playthrough. Oh. Because he's not important to the playthrough that I'm doing. I don't know if he's actually dead. I'm being as vague as I possibly can to avoid spoilers. But given that I know for a fact if you pick that house, he's not dead because that's how the <laughs> game works. That's pretty substantial. And I, that's interesting because it's a slightly different take on what we're talking about. With a lot of these examples of the concurrent storytelling and the things coming together, that's a matter of, like, all of the writing and all of the setup being very tight to allow for those moments of intersection to work. Mm -hmm. With Three Houses and with this kind of, like, wide, diverging storytelling, it's almost the opposite. You almost need, without anything getting confusing or anything getting, like, muddled, you almost need to let the setup be more broad and more general to allow for all of the specific stuff in those different stories that come out of it to continue to make sense. And that's really impressive. And as far as I can tell from what I've heard from other people who've played other versions of, like, other, you know, paths Campaigns. in Three Houses, yeah, they do a pretty dang good job. Like, no, I haven't heard anyone say, like, man, the choice I made led to a bad story, which... Kudos to uh, the Ninten- the writers and the developers of that game because uh, yeah, that's, I think that's challenging. It actually wasn't written by anyone at Intelligent Systems. I think they yeah. got uh, the Koei Tecmo people who okay, okay. They, they do like the Dynasty Warriors games, and I think they also do Romance of the Three Kingdom strategy RPGs. Interesting. Yeah. So it, it paid off because this is one of the better Fire Emblem stories it's real from good. what I from what I understand. Yeah, we've been talking for a good long time. Let's yeah slide into the the playbill we'll chat a little bit there together you dylan me all of us talk about some other things that are going on and then we'll we'll come back and round this bad boy out yeah this i didn't think we'd talk this long we've had a lot we talked a lot about sonic that's you know, we, we've we talked almost the, as long about Fire Emblem. So yeah, we we brought out the magic blue button, and then also Fire Emblem's fresh. So <laughs> yeah.
So anyway, we're in the playbill. This is where we talk about other projects, other things that are going on, other things we're proud of, other things we have to plug. To start with, as always, hey Dylan, I've been recently, I've, I've been getting back into watching anime. Have been, you now? Yeah, I... I, I saw you tweet about watching My Hero Academia. Yeah, it's, it's partially because I want to get more into, like, I want I want to hear more and more dubbing work, because that's a big part of the voiceover industry. Yeah, uh, yeah. But also just, like, watching My Hero Academia has been reminding me, like, I used to really like watching anime. Why did I fall out of this? And you watch a lot of anime, and in fact, you talk about a lot of anime with our friend Coop in a show called... Dude, you remember Macross. Uh, so it is a show where we talk about the old 80s sci-fi classic anime, Macross, which also has a movie called Do You Remember Love? That's what the reference is. And we, we talk we talk about the show, try to break down the... Me being an actor, I try to analyze the characters and break down their motives and stuff like that. And we I, I also like to look at it as a piece of science fiction. So I'm, I'm, I, I, try, I like to take down the themes and try to break it down to the nitty gritty. Um, and it's it's just us being nerds and weebs and joking about Japanese culture, not in a derogatory way, just about how much we love it. Uh, and <laughs> it's a it's a fun time. So if you guys want to check that out, check out anchor.fm slash dude. That is D-U-D-E. You remember. Uh, we are also on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. You can also hear both of us in the upcoming season two of The Unexplored Places, an actual play podcast run by our friend Christine. Uh, it is what? a- Season two's coming out? No, I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> someday, <laughs> not yet, but it's a great actual play podcast. Season one was run in the Monster of the Week system based on Powered by the Apocalypse, uh, and it was super great. It was a very spooky Midwestern horror kind of show. Uh, season two, which should be dropping sometime in the next couple months, we're still recording a few episodes, and Christine is going off to uh, begin a PhD program, so they're trying to get as much done pre-launch as possible, which I do not blame them for at all. Yeah. Um, but when it comes out, it's going to be sci-fi. I'm going to be in the main recurring cast. Dylan is going to be sort of a rotating as he's available character. Having recorded a session of it already, it's real fun. The 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 dynamic is already very cool, so you should definitely check that out. You can find them on Twitter at UnexploredCast or by going to unexploredcast.libsyn.com. I'm in several other projects. Most of them have either come out a few weeks ago or will be coming out at some point in the future that I don't, I can't give like a, an exact date on. So all I'm going to say is if you like my voice and want to hear me in other things, because I've got a, quite a few things on the burners right now, follow me on Twitter at CJWilsonVA. Uh, and you should follow Dylan on Twitter too. Dylan's a fun guy on Twitter. Dylan, what's your Twitter handle? I try to be. Uh, my Twitter handle is at the Dilla. That is T-H-A underscore D-I-L-A. And we, Backstage Gaming, this thing you're listening to, have a Patreon that helps keep us going. It is what we use to pay for our overhead, like website uh, hosting fees and all that kind of stuff. And it is funded by you, the fans, and it helps us to keep this thing going without going into the red. And as it gets bigger, if we are lucky enough for it too, we'll be using that to fund things like better recording equipment, better recording setups, maybe even doing more shows if we get the income we need to like have, you know, make the time to do that. But if you like what we're doing, if you like our show and you like what we're putting out into the world and want to support that, you should check out patreon.com slash bsgpod. That is where you can find that. You can check out the reward tiers. And if you so choose, you can become a patron. And we appreciate each and every one of you who has done that and who wants to do that. That's all I got in this little this little tidbit. Dylan, you got anything? Uh, no, I think I'm good. All right, then let's just slide to the left. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? Ew, seriously. They squeeze the grease out of the wool and process it with chemicals, and then you eat it. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I got rid of products I didn't want anywhere near my body. I found that many multivitamins contain high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and even lacked some of the nutrients we actually needed. So what did I do? At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. 
Ritual's products are made traceable, meaning we share the science and sourcing for every single ingredient. For example, our vegan vitamin D3 comes from sustainably harvested lichen in Nottingham, England, not sheep. We trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. See for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Back into the show. <laughs> we, let's see, I think the only thing left on the docket that you proposed was the, the idea that kicked this whole thing off, Dylan, am I correct? <sighs> I actually wanted to talk about Resident Evil 2. Oh, that's right. You did. Tell me about that. <laughs> okay, I'll make this quick because I, I really want to leave off on the next game. But uh, So Resident Evil, at least the games I've played, two of them, uh, Resident Evil 2 and 4, have concurrent storylines. To focus on Resident Evil 2, the, the big thing that it was marketed with was... So Resident Evil 1 had two campaigns where you played as Chris, this big beefy dude, and Jill, who is... I can't really describe her physically without sounding like a pig. Cause physically, I'm like, she's a woman in a video game from the late 90s. Yeah, like... I, like, hmm. if if you know, you know. <laughs> like, she's not, like, the worst. No, she's, it's, she's it's, not... It's, it's not... She is a woman that you would see on a Hollywood poster. Yeah. Or something. But, yeah. Uh, and you you can choose to go through the campaign with one or the other. They have different properties, different weapons, different item placements, whatever, it's cool. The story doesn't change. They just switch places. So Resident Evil 2, one of the big selling points of that game, was this thing called the zapping system, where uh, you would play through a campaign as one of the characters, Leon and Claire, and then you would play through... Once you beat the game, you had the option of saving, and then you would insert the other disc that had the other character on it and you would play through you would continue from that campaign with that character like from that character's perspective so i guess the reason why i'm tripping over my words right now is that uh the the big thing about the zapping system is the order that uh whichever character you picked first they would go through one route and the character you would pick second they would go through a different route interesting so yeah uh the first route Take kind of brings you head to head with a head researcher for, of the Umbrella Corporation that is the main antagonist of the series, and a lot of the plot is dealing with that monster. But the second campaign is to dealing with Mister X, which is this giant, tall, hulking figure that is sent. You think it's sent after you, but it's actually sent after after something you you have you're carrying on you. Mister X is one of those things that like he himself looks real goofy. But the way he's implemented is really effective, scary stuff. Exactly. That's that's what makes him work. I love him. If if you play through the game as Leon first and then Claire, they 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 have to deal with different external forces and they have different starting areas, and their their stories play out slightly differently. They still meet the same people. They still talk to the same people. With like, I think two exceptions uh most of the npcs they interact with are the same but the timing and context in which these interactions happen is different and so essentially there are two different stories split among four campaigns that's really cool yeah it's it's one of the coolest things about resident evil 2 and a lot of people were bummed when the the remake didn't quite pull that off i had no idea i i've never been <laughs> as much a resident evil person as you but that's really interesting did do they feel as coherent? Like, cause I, I, I would say they feel about as coherent as the Sonic games. Okay, okay, because that was that was kind of my question. Because like, like in terms of story, in terms of mechanics, like you know, you'll be like, oh, I picked up this item as Leon in the other campaign, but it was in a completely different area. So you know, that's kind of goofy, but even still, it, it like story wise, uh, like story wise and narrative well wise enough. for the characters, they don't like feel disjointed i guess is the best way of asking the question i mean yeah it, okay i think i think they make it work That's really uh, again cool. not so much in resident evil 2 because uh the remake rather because the starting area is different and you get different weapons and mr x shows up slightly earlier but other than that the stories are more or less the same regardless of like who you're playing as and when you're playing as them gotcha uh it's it's just the game itself is remixed a little bit okay yeah, but that's a little the, disappointing. Yeah, but I I get it. <laughs> yeah, 
No, definitely. But uh, uh, yeah, no. So Resident Evil Two does that, and it's it's really cool. And I'm trying to think if there was anything else to say on that point, but I don't think so. So let's keep rolling. Resident Evil Four is a pretty good game. Uh, one of the coolest things. <laughs> that is such a wild understatement to hear come out of your mouth. <laughs> Resident Evil Four, fine, is one of the most influential third-person shooters of the of the mid 2000s. Is that what you wanted to hear? I mean, that is true. I was just I was more exci- surprised from a Dylan Gregory like personal opinion on games point of view. <laughs> Cuz I know you love that game. I love Resident <laughs> Evil 4. It is such a good game. <laughs> I appreciate that you were trying to be like keep it under wraps and be professional. I was just Fuck like are, who are you and what have you done with Dylan? <laughs> Fine. Resident Evil 4 is the goat. Don't at me. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) But okay, anyway. um, One of the... So so you can play through Resident Evil 4, and it is a game where you are playing as Leon. Hey, he's from Resident Evil 2. And you beat the game, uh, you rescue the president's daughter, because that's the plot, um, and happy ending. Whatever. Oh, Um, yes. Ah, yes. And the PS2 version of Resident Evil 4 adds an extra campaign. I think it's called Separate Ways, which are a bunch of levels that take place in the Resident Evil 4 map, but they're from Ada's perspective. And there are new cutscenes, which isn't something Ada's Capcom the always daughter, does. Right? No, uh, that's Ashley. Ada is a character from Resident Evil 2. She's Leon's love interest who turns out to be a spy who is there to steal... A sample from Umbrella and sell it to another company. Cool. Um, Umbrella yeah. are the big badge of the Resident Evil franchise. They make zombies. Yes. I was <laughs> making I sure we cover all our bases. Okay. Yep. 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 <laughs> uh, so you think she dies in Resident Evil 2. I uh, do. No matter, no matter which campaign, uh, of whichever Leon campaign you do, Ada dies in different ways. Uh, but it turns out she's not dead, so whatever. Uh, she's in Resident Evil 4, and she's she's still on her old bullshit, but, like, you know, they help each other out from time to time during that game. And in separate ways, you are playing through key moments of the game from Ada's perspective. I, I can only remember the first one specifically, but in the near the beginning of Resident Evil 4, you are fighting off an entire village of, to keep things simple and not have to go into too much ex- exposition, you are fighting a village full of zombies. Yeah. Um, and a church bell rings, and they all, they all kind of turn over to the church bell, and they're like, we're being called to the church, we have to go. And so when you're playing separate ways, the first mission is Ada sees that Leon is struggling, she has she goes to run over to the to the church and ring the bell. That's and really she has cool. she has a time limit to save Leon and Leon doesn't know she's here. So it's 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 a really cool like I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, they're they're just side missions, so it's not like an entire separate campaign, but like they're 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 nifty. I think they're neat. That's really cool. I had no idea that those exist, and that's you just made me want to go play Resident Evil Four. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Switch version's a little overpriced, and I don't know how the Steam version is, so mm-hmm. you're on your own uh, well, looking for a good version of that game to play. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> and now, but, uh, the the OG thought creator that Dylan first mentioned when he came up with this topic, Odin Sphere. Yeah, so recently I've been uh, replaying Odin Sphere Liftrasir. That's probably not how it's pronounced, uh, but I don't know Norse, so fuck Same. it. Same. <laughs> um, it's a HD remaster of the game Odin Sphere for the PS2, and it's an it's a very interesting game. Both uh, the game's multiple stories and the way it frames them. The framing for Odin Sphere is that you are a little girl in your grandfather's attic, and there are a collection of books of fairy tales. For you to read. And so you pick up the first one. And uh, the you are, you, go, you are transported from this attic to playing out that story. The first Which is very charming. I, I love it. Uh, Honestly, there's, like, there's a little cat in the attic named Socrates that you can carry and pet on, on, the, on the armchair. It's so yeah, it is It is well worth, if you've never heard of this game, like look up some still images of it. It's a really pretty game. Like everything about yeah. it aesthetically is very storybook esque. It's 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 up real there, charming. Like, 
so you are you're playing through this game and uh the the fairy tale is about the valkyrie gwendolyn and it's her entire story it, it's like a sonic adventure thing where they give her a clear inciting incident uh they give her a clear super objective she desires to be loved by her father odin this is based on norse mythology but it is not like, it doesn't try, even try to be Norse mythology like a lot of other Japanese RPGs yeah. do. Um, <laughs> it's drawing on the, like, visual shorthand and the naming conventions without actually, like... Leaning it's not, into... It's not retelling any of the, the stories. No, no, definitely not. But it is... So Gwendolyn is desiring her father's love, and a lot of the story, like, is her trying to win that in different ways... I don't want to spoil anything because I really want people to go and check out Odin Sphere. It it can't be that expensive now. It's been out I, for like I three or four shocked. years. <laughs> but, you know, she has a full story and resolution. There is a cutscene selector in Odin Sphere. And I guess in the original PS2 Odin Sphere, it doesn't show you how long over time the story goes. But in the PS4 remaster, it does. And so you you actually see that Gwendolyn's starts, like, in the middle of a lot of people's other people's stories and ends way after all of them. There's, like, a huge time skip that you don't realize unless you're looking at the timeline for each story and how they intersect. It's really cool. So, you know, Gwendolyn's story has a resolution. It's, like, a six- to eight-hour campaign. Then Alice, the girl in, the, in her grandfather's attic reading the story puts down the book and picks up another book and reads another story. And they are all fairy tales that... There are five books total. They are all fairy tales that really tell their own stories, but with cameos from the other characters, sometimes they're antagonistic towards one another. Sometimes they're on good terms and are working together. It varies from story to story. And I guess that's another cool thing is that like each of these characters hail from a different nation and there is, you know, a three-way war going on. <laughs> so like... Which would complicate things a little bit. Oh, definitely. So... It's it's complex and messy, and the part of the joy is kind of seeing, like, when does this character play into this other character's story, and how do they contribute or become an obstacle to the resolution of their character arc. It's it's really good stuff. Um, also, oh, something I forgot to mention. So th this game likes to really lean into the idea that it is theatrical in some way. Uh, not quite to the same level of, as Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, but when you start up, a character's story for the first time you hear like an orchestra start to tune their instruments oh i love that it's such a nice touch in uh in in the theater theory world we refer to this sort of calling attention to the artifice as a brechtian concept and <laughs> astute listeners remember that because we might come back to that someday at some point i've been holding off on that episode but it's coming i want to do it too it'll be a good one <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no so there's it's just ah, oh, it's it's really good and i really love this game and i really <laughs> want people to play it but uh what i played of it uh back when we lived together was very fun yeah yeah Gameplay-wise, for anyone who who has been, you know, intrigued by what we've described so far, it's like a 2D brawler meets a character action game. Yeah. It's like if Double Dragon for the NES had Devil May Cry combos. Yeah, if you could do, like, air juggles and uh, special moves. And as someone who loves the concept of character action games and played a shit ton of Double Dragon for the NES when he was a kid, it was a good combo. It is, it is a very accessible game, too. You don't need yeah. to... You don't need to be a master at Marvel versus Capcom to yeah. to do air combos and stuff like that. But yeah, no, I I don't want to don't want to drag this out. Uh, I feel like I had more to talk about, but like honestly, maybe Odin Sphere deserves its own episode or something. We it uh, it sounds like we could do a nice good deep dive on that. There's definitely yeah. a lot to talk about in that game and the way that it puts itself together. Um, well, you know what? I'm replaying it, so you know I'll I'll let you know <laughs> we'll if anything there. comes to mind. But um. um I, I, I guess the last thing I'll say is that, so once Alice reads all the books, there is a final book uh, where the stories don't actually come together, but mm, I don't know what I want to say about this, actually. But the stories don't come together, but it is, for all intents and purposes, the conclusion of their stories, except it's not. And the story <laughs> concludes 
in the real world and it's really cool people should if you can't play odin sphere if if there is no platform where it is available for you watch the cutscenes at least like <laughs> uh, give me some <laughs> dylan demands your attention be paid to this game it's it's i i you don't want like, dylan to die do you the the story isn't like you know mind-blowing it's you know, it's no Iconoclast. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it, but, you know, even that being said, I still think it's a really good story and it's really fun and enjoyable to, to see how it all comes together yeah, and by the end. There's something to be said for a game telling a more simple story in an interesting and creative way. I also think it needs a Switch port. It is one of the games I think that is most deserving of I a would Switch port. adore that. Give me that and give me Pokemon Mystery Dungeon and I'll be a happy boy. Hey, you know what? Those are those are both good games. I think, yeah, we, we can wrap up. Yeah, that, that feels like a good place to, uh, to end the episode. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us sort of dig into the... the the interesting things that hap- that can happen when you look at a story from different angles and from multiple angles in one uh, instance. This was fun to talk about. This was one of those episodes where we kind of like, we're like, yeah, we can probably do that. And then we talked for way longer than we expected to on like every single one of these Well, I guess examples. I wasn't expecting Fire Emblem to be as long as it was because I was only thinking about Three Houses. Uh, I didn't consider the other times it does this. Yeah. But this was fun. I really enjoyed this. It made me think about and remember some games that I very much want to play. So we'll have to, uh, maybe we'll revisit this topic in like a more deep dive on one example kind of thing sometime in the future. Yeah, that'd be fun. But until then, and until next time, thank you for listening to Backstage Gaming. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. We enjoyed having you here. And you can find everything you need to know about our show, including current episodes and bios and a contact sheet by going to bsgpod.com. That is our website. If you have anything that you want to reach out to us directly about, that's a great way to do it. And it's also just got some info about the show. We've got like a a glossary of sort of theater terms that we've been amassing. We've got all kinds of stuff there. And you can find our show if you don't want to do it through our website, through whatever podcatcher you use or the uh, Apple podcast service, Spotify, Stitcher, anything like that. If you like the show, if you like what we do, please consider leaving us a rating, leaving us a review on iTunes. That's a really great way to help us grow, as well as telling your friends about it, telling your family, telling your neighbors, telling your bus driver. Bus drivers spend a lot of time in buses. Maybe they need podcasts. They probably tell need your, podcasts. Tell your cat Socrates, who lives in your attic. Yeah, you know, the yeah. one that we all have. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, sharing this with people who you think would enjoy our very specific brand of content means the world to us and is the best way to help us reach more people and grow this thing that we're doing. Uh, So yeah, keep on doing you sexy people. Mm. Um, If you want to, if you sexy people want to engage with us on social media, that felt gross. I'm I'm going to backpedal. Yo, if you, if you guys want to engage with us on social media, uh, you can check us out on Facebook, on Twitter. Our handle is at BSG underscore cast. Um, and you can also find us on YouTube. I think if you, if you like to talk about any of the ideas we've been putting down, you should... You sh- you. What happened to you? Did you just melt? <laughs> I... I... Kept oh god, he's trying... being pulled into the microphone. I, I kept on, like, trying to say you should, and, like, my SHs weren't working. Uh, but, you know, if you want to talk about any of the stuff we're putting down, you should use the hashtag BSGpod. Yeah, that's a, it's a guaranteed way to make me make sure I see it. I personally have a, a tab in my tweet deck interface specifically dedicated to anyone who uses hashtag BSGpod. Currently, yep, let me just scroll through here. It's entirely me and the Backstage Gaming Twitter account. <laughs> Come play with me in this space so I'm not as lonely. <laughs> I'll start using BSGpod. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you, no, you don't need to apologize. <laughs> I'm a terrible co-host. Never say that about yourself. You're beautiful and perfect just the way you are. Check out our Patreon. No, plug plug Brennan, wait. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry, I'm looking at the the wrong page. I'm looking at my personal no, you're good. plugs that I use. <sighs> I want to...
I don't want to drill into what you just said. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what my it. plugs say. Anyway. <laughs> that's it. Also, huge thanks uh, to our friend Brendan French for the key art he has provided for us. Um, if you're digging what he has, you should check him out at brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N-French.squarespace.com. You can also check him out at Instagram at instagram.com slash brennanfrencharts. And please do go show some love to our friend BioQuery. He is the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. He's a fantastic producer, a fantastic uh, electronic music composer. He's got a couple EPs out recently, one called Post-Human Angst, that's all of his solo work, and one called Lynx Volume 1 that he was the producer for, but it's a collaborative project for a bunch of hip-hop artists from around the country. They're both really good, and you can find those by searching for BioQuery on Spotify, that's B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y, or by going to soundcloud.com slash BioQuery. And one more time... If you like what we're doing, if you want to support us in a very direct and fungible way, the best way to do that is through our Patreon, patreon.com slash bsgpod. That is how we are funding the show and funding the necessary overhead. And if it grows, if we're lucky enough that you people want to support us and want to help us do this more and do this better, all of the money that we get to our Patreon is going to go into things like recording setups and making the time for extra shows and just improving what we're doing to make it the best possible experience for you. Thank you to all of our patrons. Thank you to any of you who are considering being patrons. It really does mean the world to us, uh, the level of support that we've gotten. That's all I've got for this week. Dylan, do you have anything? Uh, do you want to talk for 20 more minutes about Sonic the Hedgehog, or do you think we should <laughs> wind down? Um, I think Sega should let VanillaWare, creators of Odin Sphere, do a Sonic the Hedgehog beat-em-up. Yes. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. I need to go write a petition. Goodbye.